The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. It's as if we've wandered the desert, travelers without a home, together yet alone in this uncertainty. An uncommon time, unexpected, undefined, binds us, unites us, does not divide us, but reminds us of who we are. A body, not a building, unrelenting, unyielding, persevering, revealing the faithfulness of God. Maybe this virus has started a fire inside us, ignited us, inspired us to live louder, love harder, care deeper. Six feet, six miles, or a world apart. Our calling remains the same. For we are the body of Christ. Picking up where we left off last week, I want to encourage us to remember that in everything we do, we're to glorify God. This is an act of worship, not just in the songs that we sing, but in the ways that we live. The greatest way that we can worship our God is how we live a life of love and honor of who he is and for all that he's done for us. Worship is not just words out of our mouth and songs that we sing. It's how we live our life. And during this season, we have the perfect opportunity to get out to glorify God by loving our neighbor as ourselves, caring for those who are in need, bringing hope to those living in fear. So, As I was thinking about this this past week, I was reminded of a message that I gave a couple years ago, and thankfully we recorded it. The message and the focus of the message is that we were created to worship, to worship our God, to worship our King. For who He is and all He has done, our greatest response is to worship Him. So today we're going to bring you that message again. As for some of you, you weren't with us when we recorded it, so it will be brand new information to you. But the information is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you and I were created to live in a wonderful relationship with the God who created us and loves us and invites us to worship Him. So join me now as we're encouraged by these words of what does it mean to worship. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, look into uh, some things. First of all, I want to let you know that worship is one of the most um, important things in life. Number one, uh, what is the most important thing that you can give to God? And you can either choose to give it or to keep it to yourself. That's worship. God desires our worship. 
He desires us to love him, to to look up to him, to honor him, to to focus on him in every area of our life. And and, and the enemy knows this. And when I say the enemy, I'm talking about uh, Satan. Satan was an angel uh, ages ago. And he was the angel uh, who was really, in, in a sense, in charge of worship in heaven. And although he was there to help lead the other angels in worshiping the Father, he decided that he wanted that worship for himself. And so from the very beginning, there's been this war uh, for worship and this war for, for our worship. And I want to share with you just a couple passages of scripture that uh, tell us about, about this picture. Um, with the idea of this war for worship being in place, Satan, uh, as recorded in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, 13 through 14, says this. Now, I want you to catch the repetitive words that come again and again. It says this, and this is Lucifer, uh, the most one of the most beautiful angels saying these words. Lucifer said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount High and in, in, in the assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Throughout that passage, we kept seeing that repeat phrase, I will, I will, I will. And that's the focus of, of Satan. It's all about himself. Uh, when you compare that to Jesus, Satan said, I will, but Jesus said, thy will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus had lived 33 years on this earth, it came for a time in life when, when the most amazing act ever performed on this earth would, would unfold, an act of worship, uh, not, a, not an act of singing a song, not an act of, of performing a great act of serving someone, uh, but instead a, a beautiful death, a beautiful sacrifice. When Jesus said, not my will be done, but yours be done, as he gave himself up to be, to be sacrificed, to be killed in our place, the greatest act of worship ever. And from the beginning of time, there's been this war for worship, uh, this battle trying to draw our attention, to draw our, our, our affections away from he who should be worshiped, God, uh, to, to some place where it shouldn't go. And, and in some ways, Satan doesn't care if you worship him or not. Uh, he simply just doesn't want you worshiping God the Father. And so in, in the book of Matthew, we see this even unfold between Satan and Jesus himself. Jesus is about to begin his last three years of life, uh, his, his time when he goes from uh, being just a, a normal guy, if, if Jesus ever was uh, a normal guy, um, to being revealing himself as the Messiah. And Jesus goes out and he spends 40 days in the wilderness and, and Satan comes to tempt him. And, and in this uh, time, Satan comes to him and in Matthew chapter 4, it says this. It says, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Satan said this to Jesus. He said, I will give you all of this, he said, if you will simply bow down and worship me. Satan is battling for our worship. Worship is the most important thing that you and I can give. Uh, and it's, it's our choice whether to give it or not. God desires it and Satan battles for it.
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. After realizing that there is a war for our worship, the next thing for us to realize is that each and every one of us are created as worshipers. We all worship something. Uh, whether you believe in God or not, we are all worshipers. Uh, you might be sitting there today and say, you know, uh, I'm just sitting here in church because uh, my neighbor invited me. Uh, but the truth is, is whether you know God or, or worship him or believe in him, uh, you worship something. Um Exodus 20 tells us this, uh, God is, is very jealous. He is a God, uh, not jealous in, in, in a bad way, but in, in a way that uh, as a loving father, as he created us, he wants us to love him and know his love for us. And so when we as individuals give our affections, our desire, our time, our, our resource to something and, and place it above or before God, God gets jealous of that. He wants our affections and our desires. And in Exodus 20, God said, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols for yourself. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. So the question this morning is, is what do you worship? Uh, knowing that we all are created to worship and we all worship something, what is it that, that vies for your attention and your affection? What is it in life that you pursue? Uh, we all worship different things. Uh, uh, many of us worship uh, material things. Uh, we, we want the next latest and greatest. And, and, and to be honest, I've, I've fallen for that. Years ago, I bought uh, a, a television and I'm embarrassed to tell you how much I spent on that television. It, it, it's like the cost of a, a small car. Uh, and, and the day I bought it, a better one came uh, came out at, at, at half the cost. Uh, there's always something latest and greatest, the next big thing, and we just can't keep up. The scriptures actually tell us that um, uh, when we build up idols in life, they, like silver and gold, uh, can eventually be taken from us. Somebody can steal them. Uh, somebody else can come up with something better uh, to where what we have fought for, what we strived for will eventually become obsolete and it leaves us feeling empty. And there's only one thing that can truly fill that void in our life. And that is uh, to come and know uh, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, uh, our Father God, and to truly experience what worship uh, is for Him. God is a jealous God. He desires us to worship Him. And the question this morning is, is what is it that you worship? Uh, there are material things that we worship in life. There are corporate positions that we worship in life where we where we strive to become the next best thing. Uh, we can try to do things that pile up uh, stacks of resources, stacks of cash. Uh, there's the house. Uh, we want a bigger house. We want a second house. Uh, we want a vacation house. And we're always striving for that next thing. There's, there's cars, nice cars, uh, faster cars. Uh, cleaner cars. Some, some of us have cars that are cleaner than our own lives. Uh, and then there are those of us who have cars that are filthy. 
And if you cleaned them out, you could find three or four Happy Meals. But that's a whole other subject. Uh, we worship things in life. Uh, we worship our bodies. Uh, we nip it. We tuck it. We color this. We stretch that. We fluff this. We fill that. Uh, we are so obsessed with worship, self-worship, worship of things, worship of, of idols. And we need to look at our life and to ask ourselves, what is it that we worship? God desires us to worship him. Satan is fighting for that worship. The things in this life are vying for our attention and our worship. What is it that you worship? We all worship something. How do we know which, what we worship? Look at where you spend your time. Look at where you spend your money. Look at your checkbook. Look at your checking account. Where is it that you put your attention, your focus? That is how we can determine what we worship. Everyone worships. Sure, not everyone wants to call it worship or even think about what they're doing. But everyone worships something. Everyone has some ultimate thing that they center their life around. Something or someone that they hope will give their life meaning or purpose. For some, it's religion. For others, it's money. For some, it's fun. For others, it's success or power or science or knowledge or beauty or popularity. For some, it's love or sex. For some, it's their family. But the Bible says, all things were made by Jesus and for Jesus. This means we were created to worship, but there is only one who is really worthy of our worship. That's why nothing else in this world satisfies. We keep on looking, we keep on striving, we keep on buying, but nothing delivers. Nothing brings us that deep satisfaction that we long for. But when you live your life with Jesus as the center, you're doing exactly what you're created to do. You're right in the place you're supposed to be. So the irony is that when we give our lives over to worship Jesus, that's when we actually find ourselves. Everyone worships, but we were made to worship just one. Throughout the world, there are churches uh, meeting right now where uh, corporate worship uh, takes on many different looks and feels. And many times we determine uh, where we go and gather with a different local body based on whether or not we like the worship there or not. Uh, we really will choose a church over a style of worship, a style of music. Uh, and in some ways, to kind of paint the picture, 
Uh, imagine it kind of like a production, and I don't mean in any way to make church sound like a production, but uh, to be honest, for the sake of really just understanding where I'm going with this, imagine that that's what we've got going on here, a production. Uh, I mean, let's face it, there's a stage here, there's lights, a, a band has just played, um, and, and, and there's an audience. Looking around you right now, you see others seated in rows. Uh, you're the audience, and, and to be honest with you, that's my favorite place to be. Uh, I mean, speaking makes me sweat like crazy, uh, but yet that's what I'm paid to do. But I love to be sitting there where you are. Uh, and that's that's great because you can sit there, you can relax, you can be entertained. Uh, you get to ha exercise the spiritual gift of criticism. Uh, you can rank things and rate things and determine whether or not you're coming back or not. And what drives people like me crazy is that uh, the truth is, is that we've got to keep you entertained. We've got to hope that we've moved you, that we've uh, kept you entertained so that you come back. And, and so you've got the audience in a production uh, and you've got a performer. And, and let's face it, the people on stage usually are in that row. Uh, and we're performing for, for you. We're, we're hoping to entertain you. We're hoping to teach you. But we're hoping to keep you engaged, to keep your attention. So we tell good stories. Uh, we try to get you to laugh at the right times and cry at the right times, hopefully never crying at the wrong times. But um, we hope to engage you, to keep you interested so that you keep coming back. Because if, if you stop coming, I don't have a job anymore. And so we've got the audience, we've got the performer, and then we've got the director. And, and hopefully in all churches, the director is, let, let's just be honest, it should be God. Uh, and, and God is there and he's directing everything. And hopefully uh, the audience is, is being entertained. The performer is performing well for the audience and God is being glorified. But I want to tell you the truth. Everything I just said to you is a complete falsehood. It's a lie. You got to we got to get that out of our mind, because to be honest, you are never intended to be the audience. And, and, and I should never be thinking that I'm performing for you. There is an audience when it comes to worship. There's an audience of one, and that is to be God himself, Jesus Christ. And the performers aren't the people on the stage, but it's us as a body. And when we come together to worship, we are worshiping one audience, an audience of one, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, God himself, Jesus Christ in flesh. And so you and I come together to perform an act of worship, but not just for 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. We come here to worship him uh, together corporately and then each and every day with our life. He's the audience. Uh, we aren't the audience. And what drives me crazy at times is when some people will leave and they'll say, uh, I, I've heard this about other churches, never about ours. Uh, every time I hear people leave here, they're like, wow, the worship was great. And, and we have a wonderful worship team. Uh, but what drives me crazy at times is when some people leave some churches and they're like, you know, I just, they just didn't do that song the way I liked it. But the truth is, is it wasn't for you. It isn't for me. It's for God. And we come to him and we give him our worship. And that's what it's to be about. It's about us come with him with pure hearts, focused on who he is, not seeking to please one another, but to, to bring glory and offer our best to him. Are we doing that in our life? Not just on Sunday mornings, doing our best to sing a good song, to put on a good show, but are we every day, each and every moment, seeking to bring our best and worship to him? So what is worship? 
and why do we worship? As we bring this message to a close, I want to challenge you to think about things really kind of naturally. Have you ever been to a football game cheering on your favorite team? They throw a long bomb and the ball is caught. What is the natural thing to do? You jump out of your seats, you raise your hand, you start screaming, and you, everybody just kind of goes crazy. There's there's nobody sitting out there and telling you what to do. You just kind of do what responds naturally from you. Uh, growing up, my family used to watch America's Funniest Home Videos uh, at, at dinner. It was a tradition that we'd do. Uh, I can't remember what day of the week it was, but... You always had the shot of somebody getting hit where they shouldn't get hit. And we always responded the same way, going, oh, it's what happens. We just respond naturally. And that's what worship should be. Worship should be a natural response from us to God for who he is and for what he's done. The scriptures in Hebrews chapter 12 say this, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and let us worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. We should look to God and based on who he is, based on how he loves us, based on how he has given everything to pursue a relationship with us, that should draw our hearts to want to long for him, to want to live for him. Do you have this feeling in life? Do you feel like you live in response uh, to God's love for you? We should then live in view of what God has done for us. We should live in a way to glorify and honor him. Romans chapter 12, 1 puts it like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is God intervening and holding back something that we all deserve. Mercy is God saying, even though you are a sinful, broken people, even though I have sin in my life, even though I have put a barrier or allowed a barrier to stay between who God is and who I am, God is merciful and he loves us. The scriptures say that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ came and pursued us while we were far from him. In view of that mercy, in view of God's unending, unchanging, unconditional love, we should then worship him. In view of God's mercy, we are to offer a song. Is that what it says? No. God wants much more than a song. God says, in view of God's mercy, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. In a few moments, we're going to be remembering together as a family that Christ came out of love, that he gave his life in our place, that he took our sins upon himself when he died on a cross and he spread his arms and, and, and died in our place. We're going to remember that when we take the elements of communion. A, a piece of bread is a symbol of God's body broken for us. A cup of juice, a symbol of the blood of Christ shed uh, to wash our sins white as snow. As we remember that, let that be what draws us to him in worship. Let that, that be the reason that we come to him wanting to give our all to follow him. 
And my hope and my prayer is that as you look at your own life and you look at what God has done in your own life, realizing that we as sinful, broken people have been rescued by a loving, holy, and perfect God. God saved us so that he could change us. God took his place in the body of his son on the cross so that he could bear the punishment of our sin and our shame. And so that through that process, you and I could be reconciled to him. In response to that, we should worship. We are a sinful, broken people that God loves and that God gave everything for. Not loving us for who we are, but for who we can be.
Worship is our response to our God for who he is and for what he has done. What has he done for you? In what ways has he given you mercy? In what ways has he extended to you grace? We have a God who loves us in spite of our brokenness, in spite of the things in our life that are shameful. He came, he died on a cross to shed his blood to forgive you and to forgive me and to give us another chance. Today, if you have never received the love of God in that way, his forgiveness, his redemption, then he invites you into the most loving relationship that you could ever receive. Our God wants you to know how much he loves you. You don't have to hide behind any sin or shame. You simply call out to him. Let him know that you love him and that you confess that you need him and that you're willing to turn from your own way of living life, doing things that make sense in your own way and, 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 and making your own choices and instead choose to put him first. He created you. He created me. He created us. And he created us to have a life full of abundance and joy. And us learning to live following in his footsteps is the greatest act of worship that we could give him. And so today, if you want to worship your God who loves you, who created you, the greatest and most important thing you can do is invite him into your life. If you want to receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior and to worship him for all that he has done for you, then say this prayer with me now. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for trying to live this life without you. Come in and show me the life you've called me to live and help me to follow you. Help me to turn from the things that are not of you, not in the way that you created me to live and help me to glorify and worship you by learning to live like you, love like you, and to walk like you. Come into my life. Make me new. Thank you for dying for me and giving up your life. Now I give you mine. In your name I pray. Amen. If that was the prayer you just prayed, let us know in the comments below. Raise your hand. Message us. Use the link to let us know that you've started this life of worship with the God who loves you and made you. We would love to connect with you and to show you how to continue to grow in your life in this faith journey with your Lord and Savior. I can't wait to connect with those of you who have made that decision today. For the rest of us who already know Jesus as our Savior, let us continue to look at how we can worship him in every area of our life and how we respond to the needs and the crisis around us as his hands and his feet, loving those who he has placed around us. If you want to learn more about how you can join us on our mission, reach out to us, message us, check out our website at hopehillchurch.org. We would love to include you as part of the family on mission to love God and love others. Remember, we've been blessed so that we can be a blessing. 
And living that life is the greatest act of worship that we can live. Join me, will you? Message me if you want to learn more.